Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So this morning we come to the end of our sermon series, Invite, where we've been looking at this idea of invitation. We've seen how Jesus comes along and invites the, the ordinary as he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he comes across these ordinary men, these fishermen, and says, come and follow me. So ordinary people like you and like me, not prophets, kings, high-flying religious leaders of the time, just ordinary people like you and me. Jesus says, come and follow me and be involved in this amazing work. You'll do extraordinary things all made possible by my invitation. In the second sermon, we looked at Jesus inviting the, the outsider, that he got alongside the, the Samaritan woman at the well, coming to her with no judgment, despite knowing everything about her. This was a reminder to us and to her that Jesus wants to be part of our lives, that he doesn't want to be an outsider in our lives that we shouldn't be barriers to others receiving that invitation from Jesus, that they too deserve to receive that invitation to meet with Jesus. We need to lose our natural tendency to, to judgment. We continued to look at that slightly last week in a different way when we were looking at the idea of those that the world sees as despised, people not deemed worthy enough to meet with Jesus, where Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus's life. He doesn't wait for Zacchaeus to invite him. He just says, I'm coming for dinner with you, much to the, to the dumbfoundment of those that were around. Couldn't believe that Jesus was going to associate with people like him. Zacchaeus, a man who was despised in his society. But Jesus models to us how we should interact with all people and how important it is that we see all people as children of God. Whether we agree or we disagree with them, their lifestyle or their actions, because God looks upon them as a child, even if they don't know it yet. It's God's right to judge, not ours. Equally, too, we need to be just like Jesus, and we need to invite ourselves into the, to their lives to make sure that that invitation gets to them, that they understand that Jesus wants to be part of their life, just as he wanted us to be part of it. And this week, having looked at these three occasions where Jesus is modeling how and who we invite and interact with others, we come to a passage that, that allows us to very much have a mirror 
in front of us. We need to look at ourselves and we need to see how we are reacting to having received that amazing invitation to follow Jesus. You might remember at the beginning of the, the series, I spoke about these statistics that were created by that survey from church growth. It was taken a few years ago, but I imagine the data is still the same as it was. Because in that survey, we found that 2% of people started to come to the church based on an advert that they had seen. So whether they'd seen a poster or something online advertising the church, you know, come and worship with us on a Sunday, 2%. Only 6% said that they would come or they were part of the church because the minister invited them. I'm not going to take that personally because I think I can understand what is going on. Another 6% said they started to attend the church because there was some type of organized event that had been created and people had invited them to it. So it might have been a coffee morning or some other thing that had been set up and they'd been invited to it. However, 86%, 86% of people said that they started attending the church because they'd been invited by a family member or a friend, 86%. And that really shouldn't be a surprise to us because we are aware that we have relationships with people and in those relationships we build trust and we, we are close to them and they are close to us. We know where they are in life and they know where we are. We know the things that they would benefit from being involved in. And they're more likely to trust us if there's that relationship there. So it's not a surprise that that figure is as high as it is. In this encounter, or this week, we encounter two characters who do that very thing of inviting their friends and family to come and meet with Jesus. And the first one is a man named Andrew. Now, if we were to look through the Gospels, we would see that, that Andrew just seems to be a guy who is constantly surveying the situation, just looking for the next person to bring to Jesus. It just seems to be who he is. He just looks around and he finds people, just wants to bring people to Jesus. An example would be later on in John's Gospel, at chapter 6, with the young boy who has the, the, the loaves and the fish. It's Andrew who highlights him to Jesus. He's obviously on the lookout. Who are the people that we can bring in to meet with Jesus? And in this reading this morning, having been alongside John the Baptist, he has this first encounter with Jesus. Andrew's first reaction is to run home and to share this with his brother Simon. We read in verses 40 and 41. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. You need to meet this guy, Simon, Andrew says. You need to come and meet him. It's a total game changer. My life has now changed through this interaction with Jesus, and you need to come and meet him. 
You need to come and experience what I have experienced. And as we read on to the next verse, read, he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. You see, Simon responds positively to Andrew's invitation because he believes his brother. Simon might have thought that Andrew was maybe over-egging it a bit, but he has no reason to believe that he's being duped into something, that Andrew's lying to him, because he trusts his brother has his best interests at heart. You need to come and see these things. Clearly means a lot to Andrew. And equally, he can't really argue with Andrew's experience because it's Andrew's alone. It was Andrew's encounter with Jesus that he speaks of. He is in the best position to relay that and share that with Simon Peter. And Simon's interaction with Jesus happens quite quickly after that. He comes alongside Andrew. And notice that Andrew is modeling Jesus' behavior here. Real Jesus' behavior. He doesn't just say to, to Simon, you need to go and see this Jesus guy. He's amazing. Andrew says, you need to come and see him. And I'm coming with you. The scripture says, he brought Simon to Jesus. Look, I'm inviting you to come and meet with Jesus, and I'm going to be there right with you. You don't have to worry. I'm with you always. And it's at this point in John's gospel that Simon's destiny is revealed to him by Jesus. You are Simon, son of John. You're to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Peter meaning rock. What a destiny Peter would have. Later on in Matthew's gospel, we're able to read in chapter 60 just why Simon was to be called Cephas, or translated as Peter. Jesus says in chapter 16, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The rock on which I will build my church. If Peter hadn't responded to that amazing request from Andrew, this invitation to come and see this thing that was so important to him, he might never gotten alongside Jesus and missed out on his destiny. However, because of that invitation, Jesus is able to see something in Simon and able to say to him, you will be the rock on which the church will be built. And there's more to be said about that, but that's a sermon for another day. But what an amazing destiny, all because of that invitation from Andrew to come and meet with Jesus. So we now move on to this second character, we have Philip. In Philip's encounter with Jesus, 
sees the same kind of reaction as Andrew. This excitement, this one of amazement, a transformation that happens, and he's so happy that he needs to go and share it. And that's exactly what he does. He goes back and speaks with his friend Nathaniel, saying, Nathaniel, you need to come, you need to come and meet with this Jesus. You need to come and meet with him. It'll change your life. While Philip has a similar reaction to Andrew, Nathaniel's response is very different to that of Simon Peter. Nathaniel's response is one of skepticism. And he utters that immortal line, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We can't be sure if Nathaniel is prejudiced against people from Nazareth. Or whether he's wrestling with this idea that there's no way that God could possibly move so powerfully in such a small place. It might even be that he's struggling to, to comprehend that, that even the Messiah would come from this place. You know that feeling when you think, why would God even care about me? little old me. Surely I'm so small and insignificant that God wouldn't care about me. You can almost imagine Nathaniel thinking, surely this would have happened in Jerusalem, somewhere, somewhere more grand than Nazareth. And irrespective of whether he has this prejudice or whether he just felt that there was no way that this could happen in this place, we do read that he is skeptical. However, even if his first reaction is one of skepticism, this invitation from Philip, we see that he trusts him. He trusts his friend. Something along the lines of, Philip wouldn't have invited me to this if he didn't think there was something in it. He's known Philip for years. He knows his heart. He knows, just like Simon Peter did, that Philip would have only wanted the best for him. And remember, 86% of people come along to meet with Jesus after an invitation from a friend or family member. With this invitation by Philip, he has this transforming encounter with Jesus. These are his words. So he's went from being skeptical to saying, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. His skepticism is all but gone because he's had this encounter with our Lord Jesus. He recognizes Jesus for who he is. He knows all this stuff about me. How could he possibly know this stuff? And Jesus says, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. You'll see far greater things than this. All because he was invited by his friend Philip. And he received that transformation through an interaction with Jesus. And that is amazing. But then I guess the question for us is, who are the people in our lives, the people that we care about, that we would think would benefit 
from gathering with us and getting that opportunity to encounter Jesus. You know, the people in our family, the people that we consider to be our friends, people that we work with, might be our neighbors. But who are the people in our lives that we are so desperately wanting to invite to come and meet with Jesus? That because we have responded to that invitation to get to know Jesus and to follow him, that we are so excited that we want to share that with other people. The people that we love and we care about, we want them to experience it too. Not so we can boast about having the, the most people in our church on a Sunday morning in Rutherglen. It'd be amazing to have more and more people here. But that's not the point. We just want people to come and meet with Jesus. And who are those people? Who are the people in your life that you so desperately want to have that encounter with Jesus? We all have people that our heart breaks for, our family and our friends, that we so desperately want to get this, that their lives would be transformed. But what are the things that are stopping us? There are many things that stop us from extending that invitation. One might be that we feel we don't know enough. We might be worried. We might think we don't know enough of the Bible. We might not know enough about Christianity. So how could we possibly invite them? What if they start to ask us questions? What if? That question that goes through your head, what if? It is the greatest tool that the devil uses to stop us from doing anything. Anything that might get us or other people closer to Jesus. What if? I'm not sure if any of you have read C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. But that's exactly one of the tactics that the, the senior demon Screwtape uses. Just sow some seeds of doubt there. And watch, and that's how you're going to stop them in their tracks. You don't have to do anything grand. Just drop a little seed of doubt, and that'll stop them in their tracks. But you see, the thing is, Andrew and Philip didn't go to, to Simon Peter and Nathaniel and start quoting Scripture at them. They just invited them to come and experience for themselves what they had experienced. They say, look, this is what I know. This is what I have experienced. Come and see what I've seen because I know that you will really love it too. Andrew and Philip were so fired up that they just wanted to share Jesus with their friend and family, the people that they deeply cared about. Come and see what we've seen. Come and meet this Jesus. However, there is another reason that stops us in our tracks, and that is that we think they might say no. They might say no. And of course, the reality is that there is a 50-50% chance that they will say no. I'm not going to pretend to you that the answer will always be yes. 
But there is a 50-50 chance that they will say yes. And I can tell you that there is a near 100% chance that they might not ever think about coming to this encounter with Jesus without the invitation of you or someone else. And I prefer heading towards the, the near 100% than worrying about the 50% that might say no. Because that no might be a not yet. Because just like screw tape, we too are, by God allowing us to have these interactions with people, allows us to plant little seeds. Not seeds of doubt. Seeds of the kingdom. And it might be not yet. But we need to be seeking the courage, the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Allowing us to be bold enough to invite the people that we care about. Not necessarily to church on a Sunday morning. But to the things that we know the people that we care about would really benefit from. Where would be their amazing entry point into encountering Jesus? Because we know the things that they would be comfortable with. We wouldn't want to put our friends and family in a place of discomfort. And that's the, the challenge to us as a church, that we need to continue to create wide-ranging opportunities for people to be invited to. And that's something that we're going to be looking at over these next few years. It's going to take time as we develop the ministry here in Stonelaw. We build on what has gone before. But it's a challenge that allows us as ordinary people to do extraordinary things with Jesus. We want to see extraordinary things happen. People receiving this transformation we want to see revival here in Rutherglen. Am I right? We want to see revival here. And we'll go into that in more detail another day too. But we want to see people's lives changed because of an encounter with Jesus. And as we come to close this series out, I want us all to remember that Jesus doesn't want to be an outsider in your life, your life or mine. Indeed, doesn't want to be an outsider in anyone else's, but wants to be a major part of it. He invites you to come and follow him. And when you do follow him, part of that is to invite others to experience what you have experienced that they might get to know him better. Jesus wants to transform lives. That was why he came. That was why he died. And that's why he rose again for us. That death would lose its sting. And the world would be transformed. That more of the kingdom would break through here in our world. And that all starts with an invitation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for that amazing invitation. We thank you that you invite us to come and follow you. 
We're amazed by the ways in which you modeled how to invite, how to interact with people. Things that we can find so difficult, yet you found it so easy. We pray that by your Spirit, we would be strengthened and encouraged that we might be bold enough to step out and do these new things as individuals and as a church. That we'd be bold enough to ask the most important question of invitation. Would you like to come and see Jesus? Lord, as you work in our lives, as you transform us, help us to be a witness to those that see it. And help us to invite those we care about that they might be part of our church community. That they might get to experience more of you and your love. And in doing so, receive the transformation that you wish to offer everyone. We thank you for your invitation to us. And may we now go out and invite others. And we offer this prayer in your precious and mighty name. Amen.